bullying. The Me Too movement against sexual harassment. Is this the best a man can get? Is it? We can't hide from it. It's been going on far too long. We can't laugh it off. Who's the daddy? What I actually think she's trying to say. Making the same old excuses. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. But something finally changed. Allegations regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment. And there will be no going back. Because we, we believe in the best in men. Men need to hold other men accountable. Smile, sweetie. Come on. To say the right thing. To act the right way. Not cool. Not cool. Some already are. In ways big. Yo, men. And small. I am strong. I am strong. But some is not enough. It's not how we treat each other, okay? Okay. Because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. Morning. You're allowed to say good morning, or you can wave. Morning. Oh, there we are. Morning, Zoom. You're not mad. I did log into Zoom a little while ago just to see who was there and see your faces. It's funny how we get used to things and then things change and it's not the same. This is Lady Justice. She stands on top of the Old Bailey in London. And though formerly called a goddess with her own temple and even a cult shrine in Rome, it appears that she was viewed as more of an artistic representation, a personification, a symbol, rather than an actual deity although there were plenty of other deities in Rome and plenty of symbols and idols. So she stands for justice. But what is justice to you and me? And what is justice in scripture? And surely we're all good people, those of us here and on Zoom so this, this isn't about us, is it? We're all fine. We could just stop now and go home. I mean, you know, some things are clearly wrong, obviously, like theft, murder, abuse. I'm sure there are others we could add that are, are quite clearly not, not okay. 
But what does justice mean? Does it mean righteousness? Is justice about being good or fair? Well, there are different aspects of justice depending on how and where you approach the subject from. There is human rights, law, psychology, sociology, philosophy, economics, and so on. An understanding of justice also differs across cultures, communities, countries. Early, some of the earliest theories on justice were devised by Plato and Aristotle. Some are enshrined in law. Some have changed in your lifetime and are changing in mine and my children's. Some aspects of justice can be seen to be influenced by belief and faith. And while we might feel and hope and desire that all justice emanates from God, not everyone else will. Why do I say that? Isn't that obvious? Because when we remember that our understanding of justice comes from a different place to others, changes the way we relate, the amount of grace we use when we relate to them. And so there are, there are multiple topics around justice and crime and punishment, distribution of food or wealth or health care, how people are treated and the most basic levels of need. And for this morning, I want to focus on justice as it treating others in the image of God. So let's leave Lady Justice where she is and come back to a more spiritual and personal level. Today we will begin in scripture to set our standard and expectation and then glance at some lived realities. But let's start with John Stott. One of his books has inspired this series of sermons. And John Stott wrote, The cross is a revelation of God's justice as well as of his love. That is why the community of the cross should concern itself with social justice as well as, well as living philanthropy. I can't say that word. Basically, essentially, according to Stott, the cross reveals God's justice, the right and wrong, the yes, no, as well as his love. And therefore, he is stopped says that we should be passionately concerned with social justice, the rights of all in society to be treated humanely, not just um, making sure people have basic needs met and then giving and, and giving stuff, but there should be more to it and it should be something we're passionately involved in or involved in. And so in going back to the cross... Let's go back to Jesus. Jesus who cared for the outcast and challenged the rule enforcers. Jesus who met the rejected and rebuked the questioners of purity. Jesus who demonstrated grace and love and welcomed those who wanted to learn. Jesus who saw beyond the surface and looked at the heart, seeing God's precious child. 
And let's look at scripture and look at Christ to help us navigate the world, not the other way around. So I'm going to read from Colossians and I'm going to begin reading from chapter 2. So from Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on the human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. These followers who were hearing this had been part of the culture they had lived in. They weren't born into the church necessarily. They had converted. They had come to know Christ at some point in their life. They would have had multiple gods or idols, as I said, said earlier, and if they were strictly Jewish, they would have been following several hundred rules and, you know, listen to the rabbi and the chief priests for the direction of their lives and their behavior. And there was this growing philosophical voice in the community. Carry on at verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by or in Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who also raised him from the dead. So in Christ himself is the fullness of God. Not a small part, not a little chunk, not a bit round the edges. The fullness of God. I still don't get it after eight years at Spurgeon's, but in Christ was the fullness and is the fullness of God. And in Christ, we are brought to fullness. You are not God. Don't go out of here with that in your head. But we are brought to fullness, the fullness of us, of who we can be in Christ, in God. On to verse 13. When you, or we, when we were dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision of our flesh, or your flesh, God made us alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. 
and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Through being buried in baptism, we were forgiven. Our sins are gone. We have no indebtedness any longer. We are made alive in Christ. Now we're going to, if you're following in your Bibles, we're going to skip forward to chapter 3. Starting at verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on all things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your or our life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. So we are new in Christ. We have been cleansed, we have been made alive in him, him, and we have been brought to fullness. And now we are to set our hearts on things above, to set our minds on things above, on Jesus, on God by the power and teaching of the Holy Spirit, and not on earthly stuff. We are now in Christ. From verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming Some versions say on those who are disobedient. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Again, that image, we're in the image of God. Verse 11 says, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. We are reminded to put to death, to let go of our old earthly self, the attitudes, the anger, the rage and malice, to put on the new self, being renewed in the knowledge and the image of God. You, all of you, and you, I know you're still there, Andy, And you guys at home, you are being renewed in the image of God, and so am I. And we need it. We may have grown up in church, we may have grown up in Christian households and been baptized and, you know, lived the best we can. We are still being renewed. We still need to recognize that our old behavior, our habits, our worldly stuff that we've learned from others, that we've gained from our parents, is being put to death and we are being renewed 
And there I have to stop reading, otherwise we'll have done the whole of Colossians in one morning, which isn't a good idea, and we'll still be here at tea time. But does that last verse, verse 11, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, what does that remind you of? Spot prize, come on, who can name it first? And if it's someone on Zoom, I need to know. Yeah, where from? Okay, so we've got, we're all one in Christ Jesus and we've got as far as Galatians. Well done. Fee gets the spot prize, but I don't have one, so. Yeah, sorry. Galatians 3, verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith for you, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promise way back in the Old Testament. So there we have two lists of, of the not limitations anymore. We are all children of God through faith in Jesus. We're all clothed in Christ. We are one in Christ Jesus. I don't I can say that another way and and I think I've said it all the ways that it's possible. All the possible permutations. We are equal in Christ. There is no division, no pecking order, no separation, no hierarchy. No one person or group or anything higher than another. No race or gender is better than another. We may have differences, we may have skills and talents and abilities, but we are not vying for who's best. And yet... That doesn't remove the problems or the issues. In fact, that verse from Galatians is quite often used to insist there now isn't an issue. Everything's gone away. We're all equal. We're all the same in Christ Jesus. We don't see color. I'm not, I'm, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. I treat you the same. I don't see color. It's not that you're a woman, I don't see that, it's just. But there is, there is, there is, there is, there is still a problem. And the only way to tackle gender justice, racial justice, is to educate ourselves and to listen. I am just going to give you a tiny glimpse like you know not even through the letterbox but not even through the keyhole but a tiny kind of oh I heard something that's all I can do this morning without depressing us all or going till tea time but you are all able to go home and research to choose to read I can recommend books I haven't read them all yet but there are books there are websites there are talks And talk to people you have connections with. Talk about their experiences and listen. Listen to our brothers and sisters. 
Listen to those who still receive gender-based microaggressions, those little jokes that aren't funny, and they never really were. Comments about not, you know, for our children, not having to wear this or that because it's not appropriate, it's too short or it's too long, it might attract the wrong attention. Um, to think about which way you come home and how late it is because it might be dangerous and you don't want to go through that way because of the other people who are there. Listen to those who are still aware of the colour of their skin every time they go out. It may not bother you, that's great. It has. They have to think about it every time because people will move away, will suddenly check where their wallet is as they go past They have to teach their young people and their children how to deal with the frequency of stop and searches. And I'm I'm not joking, this is serious and this is now. I I went to a meeting a few few years ago, and when I went to go in one of the rooms, I had DJ as a babe in arms, so it was a few years ago. And I went to go in, I had the buggy and I had DJ and he would have been silent and the room was full of men in suits and I could not bring myself to go in there. Not because they had done anything but because of the history I had already experienced. And that's what we are against, is recognising that some of our brothers and sisters with black and brown coloured skin are facing this and have been facing it for longer than we can realise, their whole lives, and they are fed up. I've got a slide to show you. I don't... Okay, it's fairly clear, I think, but in the picture on the left, it says equality... And the three people trying to see over the fence each have a box. So they're equal. They're equally treated. I'm sorry, I keep touching the mic. They're equally treated. They have equal access. That's fair, isn't it? And yet there's no recognition that the the shortest person or child still cannot see over the fence. So in the second picture where there is a demonstration of justice... The first person who doesn't actually need a box, doesn't have their box, it's gone to the third person who can now see over the fence. So it's not about ignoring justice, ignoring issues, ignoring difference, ignoring possible things, whether we're talking about disability or economics or anything like that. It's about recognising it's there. And going, okay, this is here. We need to fix this. Listen, acknowledge, and act. Let me tell you some uh, tell you some facts. Some of them you might know. That's fine. Hang on to the ones you don't. Let them uh, percolate. Women in the UK could not own property until eighteen seventy. 1870, you couldn't own property. You could own property as a single woman. So say I owned property. The minute I get married, it becomes my husband's. Pardon? 
If he then leaves me, I don't get it back. In 1918, women who were over 30, so this is 100 years ago, we'd had Parliament for 100 years by then, roughly. In 1918, women who were over 30 and owned property, which they kind of could by then, but there were still adjustments to be made. So if you're over 30 and owned property, so that would be me, we could vote. If you weren't over 30 or you didn't own property, you got no vote. 120 years ago, in most churches, a woman would not be allowed to do what I'm doing, would not be allowed to preach to a congregation that included men. Thank you to the men for being here today. In 1975, so I was three Don't do the maths, I'm 49 this year, 50 next year, it's fine. In 1975, the Sex Discrimination Act came in, but we are still working for equal representation and pay in some areas. And in 1968 was the Ford machinist strike, where the women who machined all the seats and the covers and the trims for the cars went on strike to be recognised as skilled workers so they could be paid the same as the men who worked on the engines and worked with the machines. And to date, in 200 years of Parliament, we have had two female Prime Ministers. I will not comment on whether they've done a good job, but... The fact that we have to say it's a female prime minister, it's the first, it's the second female prime minister, it's still a big deal. You know, we've had a president in the Baptist Union who is female a few times now, but we still acknowledge the first female. We first still acknowledge the first black female president. It would be really nice to get to the point where we don't have to do that anymore, where it's just, this is the president, this is a scientist. There's T-shirts you can get which say, male scientist for men to wear, because you never hear male scientists. This is a male preacher. This is a male minister. And yet, as a woman minister, that gets added for some reason. This is our Bible. The, the, The bookmark in it is the division, division between the Old Testament and the New. Yeah, you know how big that is. The slave Bible which was made for and used by slave masters to um, share the gospel with their, with their slaves, had 10% of the Old Testament in it and 50% of the New. That's all it had. Out of our Bible, it had 10% of the Old Testament and 50% of the New. Because it had every... Reference to slaves becoming free, removed. So the whole of the Israelites being freed from Egypt is gone. Because you can't have that because the slaves might be cited to rebellion and leave. You can't, you don't do that. But you would include, so you wouldn't include the Galatians 3, there is no slave or free man, we're all equal. But you do include slaves, obey your masters. 
Compensation for slave owners. So slavery... Oh, I haven't got the date on there. Slavery finished. The compensation for slave owners. So the people who owned the slaves to work on their plantations, on their farms, on their stuff... We finished paying that. The UK Treasury finished paying that in 2015. We paid £20 million to slave owners to compensate them for their lack of their workforce. What did we pay to the slaves to compensate them and to give them a good start in their independent lives now they were freed from slavery? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 20 million, and it only finished being paid the loan that we took out to pay them in 2015. In uh, the years roughly 1948 to 1971, the Windrush era, um, adverts were sent out to the West Indies, the Caribbean, across the British Empire saying, come and help the empire rebuild. Come and help England rebuild after the war. You'll be welcomed. Come as nurses, come as builders, come as, you know, come and help us. And people did. They thought it was the answer. It enabled them to send money home. It gave them a new opportunity. And we all know what's happened in the last few years to the Windrush generation and their children. Where are your papers? Give us your proof. Where are your documents? Oh, no, we don't have them. We burnt them. So we're going to send you home. We're going to send you back to a country you you don't know. I've already mentioned profiling the frequency of stop and search. I do appreciate there are difficulties. I do appreciate in, in all aspects we are learning new stuff. Stuff that probably didn't exist as, as in the same way. You know, it, it, we're changing rapidly. It's hard to live in change. But there are still inequalities in work, in health, in posit- poverty, leading to health issues, as we've seen with COVID. Those with zero-hour contracts, those on the breadline, those in caring, lower, in some ways, lower-level jobs, lower pay, had no choice. They have to be in doing. So they're then more at risk. They have to be driving buses and face-to-face and, yeah, greater risk. Now, you might say, oh, but Steph, you know, as the church, yes, we should give or help those who are doing the work of social justice in our communities and, and of course we should be nice to women and men and, you know, encourage men to be men in Christ. Not the male stereotype that happens in the world, but men in Christ. But we mustn't forget our ultimate mission. We need to share the good news. We can't just pick this stuff because it sounds appealing or because you're passionate about it. And it makes us look good. Our mission is about embracing the good news of Jesus Christ and sharing that. The end goal of biblical justice is seeing lives reconciled to God. And you're right. But I don't think you can reconcile someone if they're in the pit of despair. 
I don't think you can tell them about good news of Jesus when they are being treated like dirt. Jeremiah 22 verse 3 says, This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. We are called to share the gospel, but also to live in radical and selfless ways. To put on Christ and be renewed in his image. In 1 John 3, starting from verse 16, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. We're back to the cross. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and with truth, with actions and in truth. If you read the beginning of the book of Acts, and you get as far as, um, oh, I'm not going to remember the names now. So, even if your action is to educate yourself a little more, to watch your words, to ask God to teach you to read, to listen, then it's a start. The end of verse chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, about possessions and about sharing possessions and how the disciples and the first church lived together. We live in a time of change. Let's be prepared to change. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. You are made in the image of God. May you see others as being made in the image of God too. We're going to have our final song.